0: What's going on, folks? Welcome to the Padres East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark. And with me today is Mr. Dominic Stern and Sammy Benbow is with us today. Uh, we're trying a new format for those of you that have uh, followed our podcast before. Uh, this is our 158th episode. Um, but I think we're gonna, probably going to try to do a, a lot of more visual stuff, Dominic, if not all, Dominic, uh, if not all. what do you, what, Dominic, what do, you, what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, so I mean, we kind of had an untapped market that we weren't taking advantage of, it's YouTube. There's a lot of other shows that talk about the Potters Center are on YouTube that are doing really well. And we felt like we needed to get more into that uh, because we certainly have a large following on Twitter. Uh, we know a lot of people are following our podcast on Spotify. A lot of people are subscribed to us on Apple Podcasts, but uh, have never put our podcast on YouTube before. Uh, it's definitely something I've been interested in. And I'm finally I'm uh, really happy that we're fully going in on this. Yeah,
0: definitely. And as always, we're going to try to be more regimented with these. We've been making that promise for a while. I know, folks, Um, but we brought a new guest in our new co-host, if you will. Uh, Sammy Benbo is with us. Uh, Sammy will kind of help rejuvenate the podcast. Uh, He's a former college baseball player at Lewis and Clark College. Uh, a lot of knowledge about this game, a lot of knowledge about the sport, a lot of knowledge about the Padres. He's uh, written stuff for East Village Times. So what's going on, Sammy? Introduce yourself. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and uh, explain what you're doing here on our podcast.
2: Yeah, no problem. Hey guys. Nice to join you guys. I'm, I'm glad I can start doing this with you guys on a little bit more of a regular basis. I know, you know, I've been friends with Dominic since we were younger in high school and we, we talked awesome. about the Padres a lot together and that was kind of like a passion that the two of us had. But yeah, like you mentioned, I grew up in San Diego diehard Padres fan went to college at Lewis and Clark. Like you mentioned, played uh, college baseball for four years, graduated with a degree in economics and now living up That's here awesome. in Portland, but still a, uh, like you said, really big passion for the Padres. I've written a a handful of pieces for uh, EVT on the website. And, you know, I've been with you guys since about April now. And uh, yeah, I'm just happy to be here with you guys. Talk some Padres baseball.
0: Yeah, it's it's always awesome to bring someone else in. Dominic, uh, give your thoughts about uh, your former teammate uh, joining the podcast.
1: Yeah, so Sammy's a little bit older than I was. So we didn't really get to play a lot together, but we certainly practiced Together, he played first and I played second, at least until I, I got moved to first base and uh, got to fill in his footsteps a little bit uh, my junior and senior year. So, uh, yeah, awesome. I mean, Sammy and I, th- there were there were Padre fans on our team. But, I mean, a lot, as many Padres fans know, there's a lot of casuals out there. Uh, yeah. And, you know, we certainly do not fall into that category. Uh, we would talk about that. Sammy had had interest in joining the podcast for a little bit of time now. And I had also had Sammy on our devil's talking Padres podcast, I think once or twice as a guest. Uh, So it it made sense to bring him on. And I I think that the three of us are really excited to continue to talk about Padres baseball. Obviously there's never really been a better time to be a Padres fan. And we hope that we can uh, deliver more, uh, more content, give more thoughts uh, to the fans uh, so that way they can stay engaged.
0: No time like the present, Gentlemen, let's let's get right into it. Let's talk about what's going on so far this offseason. Uh, the Padres made two key additions as they re-signed both Robert Suarez and Nick Martinez, who they needed to bring back. I mean, they were pivotal in the playoffs. We saw the, the roles that they performed for this team. I think that was a big addition and kind of a no-brainer. Um, they, you know, the cost on Suarez was a little more than probably people expected, but I, I think that the upside with him is there and it needed to be done. Um, Give me your guys thoughts on, on those, on those two, Uh, either one you want to
2: jump in in, in, on Suarez or Martinez. Yeah. I mean, I can start with Suarez. I, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, he's 31, He had a great season this past year, ERA under two and a half, you know, he was, he was really their fireman in the playoffs and, you know, like we've seen, like we saw in this playoffs, like we've seen in the past, you know, half decade or so, if you want to win a world series, you're going to have to have multiple big high leverage pieces at the back of a bullpen that you can rely on. And, you know, I think Uh with having him pairing him with Josh Hader, it's a good move, you know five years for a reliever that's that's not cheap that's yeah a long term especially at his age i mean but it is what it is right I mean, yeah, you can look at it two ways, you know, like, yeah, he's 31 and giving him a five-year deal is, you know, we saw that worked out with Drew Pomeranz. Um, but at the same time, you know, he, he hasn't really (laughs) had as many professional innings as people think, you know, like he came over from Japan a couple of years ago before that he was in Venezuela, you know, but he, he hasn't had that like, you know, heavy tax on his arm. Like a lot of those, uh, you know, uh, Venezuelan Dominican guys have, you know, throwing work from when they're like 14, 15 years old. Um, so, I mean, overall I like the move. I I think that it could come back to hurt the Padres in a few years if he gets hurt or if he's ineffective because relievers, I
0: mean, they're built to win now, right? I mean, the the team is built to win. So you have to make an addition like that. You can't, you can't, pussyfoot around about uh, you just, you have to make this addition. Uh, he would have been signed by someone else. Someone else would have given him that kind of money, if not more when, it, when it got down to it. So that it had to be done. Uh, Dominic, give me your thoughts on on the Martinez signing. What, what, what do you give on that? Do you think that Martinez will be a key member of uh, the rotation?
1: Yeah. I mean, he's currently slots in as that number four guy and there are guys available Both on the trade market and on the free agent market, that could push Martinez to the five spot, which is where he began the 2022 season. And Martinez was arguably the second most important pitcher on the Padres pitching staff this year, only behind you, Darvish, who was just that consistent six plus innings, you know, two, three runs, depending on the night kind of guy. Martinez, he did whatever the Padres needed of him. He made it abundantly clear that he wants to be a starting pitcher, but he was going to do what, the team needed to do to win. And now he gets rewarded with more money and he gets to go back to the rotation. And he was never a guy that had like short outings in terms of pitches. He always worked high up in pitch count. There was starts where he got hit around a little bit. So hopefully he can find ways, especially now at the full off season to be able to work with Ruben Niebla to yes. really establish pitches that when he's starting and he's not going to go like that full 110% as the reliever that we saw, where he can get outs more efficiently. I think that's mm-hmm. going to help him out a lot. He was a far more effective relief pitcher than he was a starting pitcher. So there's some cause yeah. for concern there, but you, you have the option to fall back on, Hey, we have other starters that are younger than you. If you're not cutting it as a starter, or we think that, Hey, might be time to, Give some additional boost to the bullpen. You can move Martinez there. So he, thats it. He, a, he provides guy.
0: flexibility. He provides flexibility for this team. He can. We saw him close last season. He can do any numerous things for this for this team. He might not even be in the rotation the entire year. We don't know what AJ Perla has in store for us this offseason. He could bring in two pitchers, and and Martinez could never even pitch to start a game. So there's a lot to be. Just you just got to hold your horses when it comes to the Padres, really. Um, you guys want to talk about the other two uh, big uh, ad, not acquisitions or big uh, big movement that was made with with Jerks and Profar and Clevenger? Uh, Profar opting out, Clevenger uh, now a Chicago White Sox. Any 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 uh, thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I don't, you know, I, I think that for the right price, Clevenger would have been worthwhile to bring back. You know, I saw that he oh, what's his, was his deal ever reported. How much you, he said, one for? year, 12 million. Yeah, he's getting 12 million, which I mean, for that price, like to be a back end starter, yeah. I, you know, I think it's excessive. Like, if you look at the deal that Tyler Anderson just got with the Angels, he got three years for 39 million. So, like, he's getting an yeah. average annual value of 13 million. Um, And so, I mean, 12 million, I think that's an overpay. I don't think it's yeah. worth it to bring him back for that much. If it it was like, no. you know, in the realm of like maybe like four to eight million, maybe that's yeah, with some like incentives stuff. or something, right? Yeah. With some game started incentives or some innings exactly. incentives or something like that. But I mean, straight up 12 million guaranteed. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll pass on yeah, that. I don't know what you think about that. Now, well, I, I guess we can, all,
0: yeah, we could put to bed, put to bed, the Clevenger, uh, all the Clevenger bad talk we had with the trade, right? That, that uh, Indians trade is now finally done. This, yeah. You this, call that a
1: loss. Yeah, it's officially lost. <laughs> uh, Dominic, go ahead. Yeah, and I also don't think that having him come back after the comments that he made about Fernando Tatis Jr., which I think the three of us are going to agree we're appropriate, but are you going to want to have that guy in the same clubhouse with Tatis when he comes back, so
0: yeah, I, yeah. I think that it, it made exactly. sense.
1: He absolutely needed to be available at the right price, and twelve million dollars was not. Well, the speaking right of price speaking
0: Padres, of Tatis, what about his his BFF and Jerks and Profar? Do you think that the Padres will try to renegotiate with him to 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 bring him back? Uh, obviously, they were probably pleased that he opted out. Uh, What's your guys' thoughts on Profar?
2: I think, you know, similar to Clevenger, I think for the right price, he's worth it to bring back. I think Mm -hmm. at the same time, though, there is a scenario where you could pretty easily put you know, Fernando Tatis Jr. in right field, you can move Juan Soto to left field and Profar kind of becomes expendable. But, you know, if you want to kind of go the other way with it, you want to put Tatis at short and Kim at second and Cronenworth at first, and you open up that hole in left field, then, you know, I'm sure there's a little bit of value for him. But at the same time, you know, I think it was, I want to say it was Keith Law reported in his, uh, one of his athletic articles that he's thinking Profar gets, you know, three to four years at 13 to 15 million a year, uh, I, yeah, I think it's a little, you No, know? yeah, yeah I, I think, um, you know, yeah, well you, let's, let, let, you, you brought up the Tatis topic. Let,
0: let's, let's just jump into that. Let's, we got a lot to cover the Tatis topic. Shortstop, obviously he's not going to be there for the first couple of weeks of the season being that he's still suspended. Hassan Kim filled in admirably last season looked productive with the bat at times. Is Fernando Tatis Jr. the the shortstop of the future for the San Diego Padres?
1: It's a tough question because (laughs) I'm still a believer that Tatis can be a good fielder at shortstop. I I don't think that's out of the question. We saw in 2020, 60-game sample size, I know. He was a really good fielder. He had like eight outs above average. Then his shoulder problems caused a lot of throwing errors, which led to some more mechanical fielding errors because he was trying to over adjust for uh, his mm-hmm. lack of throwing mm-hmm. accuracy. So, I mean, he, he has a lot of work to do to become that shortstop. I don't think he's ever going to be as good defensively as ha Kim is. Uh, also, I mean, it's just hard to be that yeah. big and play good shortstop. So I don't know, that, that, but that has a lot to do he, he lost all of his leverage for being solely <laughs> yeah, that yeah. shortstop. Like, he's, like he made it abundantly clear in the 2021 season at the end when everything unraveled, he said, I, I'm shortstop. He lost yeah. all that leverage, and yeah, he, he's done a good job, seemingly from what we've heard. Well, we know he can that. hit, right? We know that oh, if yeah. he, we put him in the outfield,
0: he's going to put up outfield-type numbers. He's going to put up all-star-type numbers. He's going to be productive in the outfield. There's no question that in that regard. Maybe he gets less wear and tear. I mean, there's there's positives to it. Then you hear Xander Rowe, uh, Bogart's rumors this week coming out that the Padres like him. Whatever that means, uh, obviously kicking the tires on him. Uh, I don't know, Sammy. I mean, way, way on the Tati situation. Where, where do you, what do you feel about the Tati situation? And and, and how impressive was Hassan Kim to you? Are are you a Kim believer? I know there's still some out there that are they're skeptic about his abilities.
2: Yeah, no, I, I'm definitely a believer in Hasan Kim. I mean, if you go by Baseball Reference War, he was a five WAR shortstop this year. Like that's those yeah. don't just grow on trees, yeah. you know. And yeah. like he. Is going to be a perennial gold glove contender, I think. You know, I think arguably should have won it this year, even though the, the awards are a little flawed, but you know, that's a discussion for another a day. Little. Um, but a uh, little, yeah, just a yeah, little I mean, bit. I mean, like Dom was saying, like Tatis really lost any leverage he could have had after this disaster of a season that he had, you know, and like, I don't know about you guys, but for me personally, like, I'm a little concerned with his longevity if you put him at shortstop for 100, 150 games, like, I want to see him play 140 games in a season, you know, like who knows how he can come back from wrist surgery, shoulder surgery, you know, I mean, we saw what that shoulder surgery did to Cody Bellinger, you know, he got non-tendered a couple weeks ago, so I mean, that's kind of more, I'm concerned about. About. i am totally okay bothered. so what
0: are we expecting to see from Tatis
2: this year are you guys
0: expecting full-on uh, the the slugger that we've all seen and, and known and love uh do you think the PED thing is just a just a blimp on the radar just kind of an asterisk type thing that not necessarily like a barry bond situation where it made him who he is as far as a power hitter and productive player uh what, what are we expecting to see from fernando Tatis jr this year
1: the PED issue was not play related it was. I, I believe him when he says it was a mistake. Uh, it's a really bad mistake, but I, I'm not concerned about that affecting him. Like he's going to hear it from the fans. He already did hear from the fans because fans love to hate. But I mean, I think that it's going to be hard to expect him to put up the same power numbers and the same, like hitting numbers, given the fact that he has to worry about getting healthy over the off season. Like, at some point, it may, I mean, it's I going I
0: to impact him. At some point, it, it yeah. is. Yeah, but I mean, he I hit, hit moonshots. He didn't hit fence scrapers that just barely oh, got no. out. I mean, so if he's not juiced, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know hand-eye coordination. People are, make a point about how that plays, I in, don't buy and it. I, that that's always been something that's kind of weird to me as far as PDs uh, improve hand-eye coordination. I guess there's studies that have gone out and can prove that. I, I don't know. Uh, the three of us have played the game hand night coordination is, is just, it's just innate. You just have it or you don't, and you can develop better timing and better reflexes, but some people are just quick and that's just it. I I don't know. You can see it in a four-year-old kids on the play yard, on the play yard sometimes. Uh, It's just what it is. Uh, Sammy weigh in on, on the topic,
2: if you will. Yeah. I mean, like his dad played the major leagues too. You know, I don't think this is something where it just kind of comes out of nowhere. Like I I do think he he was born uh, with with some sort of ability. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I don't think that he ever played a game under steroids. I, you know, I I don't think that that's what this is. I think that, you know, the 2019 season, 2020 season, 2021 season, I think those
0: were were tested then. Exactly.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think this, all happened over the span of a few months in 2022 i mean at the same time though at the same time though i do think you got to temper expectations for him a little bit in 2023 you know he hit over 40 home runs in 2021 i I think it would be a miracle if he hits that many in 2023 now would i be surprised if he does it no because he's you know he's you think that's just because the game's
0: played or do you think that's just the power will
2: be decreased slightly I think it might be a little bit of both, you know, I don't know if he's going to play because I think he's eligible for like 140 games. If they can get 120 out of him, I think you got to consider that a win. Um, But I I think it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve, not having played at the highest level of baseball since September of 2021, you know? So I I think that he can come back and be like a four or five, six win player. And it wouldn't surprise me if he's an MVP candidate next year, but I I think we got to rein it in a little and not, expect him to be that MVP. Yeah.
0: Any thoughts on the, on the Xander Bogarts rumors, or do you think that's just the Padres being the Padres?
2: I, I mean, something that I've noticed with AJ Preller is it seems like he's interested or he likes pretty much every good player, you know, like yeah. we, we've yeah. heard of him being in on, on Trey Turner. He loves Shohei Otani. He loves Josh yeah. Hader. He loves Juan yeah. Soto. Um, yeah. I think more so than not, it's probably just them driving the price up for, you know, someone like the Dodgers or other interested teams. Definitely. Um, Definitely. I, I don't, I, I, you know, personally, I think if you're going to allocate those resources, throw them at a pitcher, you know, you, you've got a pretty yeah, the that, smart mind Or, you know, try and fill in some holes around the
1: other side of the roster. I don't know, Don, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, there is an opening at the designated hitter spot. And I don't know how much uh, American League East uh, baseball Potters fans watch just because it starts earlier. You don't have to worry about the American League anywhere near as much as a National League fan. Sander Bogarts Mm -hmm. is an incredible hitter. He is an awful fielder. If that dude touches anywhere on this Potters infield with Hassan Kim, Jake Cronenworth, even Fernando Tati and really? of course, Manny Machado. That, that that would be a mistake that the Potters would be making. However, I, I think if you bring him in to be the DH, yeah, but that's it, not does a horrible idea. I mean, to he me, does. that's like putting yeah. Cronenworth at
0: first base. That's, that's you're, you want someone who's productive. I mean, certain positions, third and first, you need someone who drives and runs. Traditionally, you want someone who drives and runs.
1: You want someone who slugs. having sander bogarts is a career 117 ops plus hitter hit 307 this past year with a 456 slug like he's 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 a fantastic hitter yeah i mean he's a good average hitter but
0: I, i i don't know um and then you have to factor in that he declined uh three years 60 million i believe right same thing that they got that abreu signed for uh Bogart's decline so he's yeah. probably going to want a hundred million dollar contract is that really the way you want to allocate funds for this team is that especially when you factor in that you want to sign Juan Soto long term sure you got to sign Snell Snell and and Darvish who are your free agents at the end of the year there, there's there's issues with this team money-wise that are going to come to head uh, uh, soon you're paying Eric Cosmer 13 million dollars to not play for your team that that an extra $13 million would go a long way for this team right now when you really think about it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's and a sad yeah, situation. Yeah. I should have gone, gone, gone down that road. Um, let's talk about first base though. Obviously Hosmer left a huge hole. Uh, Jose Abreu, I, I, who I just mentioned, signed uh, with the Astros uh, for three years, 60 million. You don't blame the guy going to Texas, taking tax-free money, playing for the world series title type team, a, a dynasty, if you will. Uh, in the American League, a league that he's familiar with. So you know, and and then you don't blame the Padres because that third year and at twenty million dollars a year is 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 hefty. I, I love what Abreu brings this, could bring to this team, but it, I, I don't know. Where do you think they go first base? There's there's names out there. I tweeted something earlier. There's there's a bunch of unknown commodities out there, players who could break out or or have huge years this coming season or they could just completely be out of the game of baseball. There that it's that kind of polarity in, in who's available. Um, give me your guys thoughts. Anybody off the top of the head that, that you would like uh, for this team to bring in at first base.
2: I think the market definitely shrunk a lot with the brave being taken off the market. Like, there's not really one name that kind of like sticks out to me that like is a big target. I think again, Mm -hmm. like for a reasonable salary. And I wrote about this a little bit, a couple months ago, um, bringing back Brandon Drury on, you know, a two year deal for somewhere around the neighborhood of 10 to 20 million total. I think that's a great idea. You know, I I think he's going to be cheaper than Josh bell. Who's another option. You know, you can put him at first base most days, you know, you can DH him, you can platoon him with somebody, um, you could put him all over the field. You know, he gives you that positional flexibility that you don't have with a lot of guys that are on the first base market right now. And so I think for the price and for the versatility that he gives you, he's, you know, he, he's the guy that, that climbs toward the top of my list. You know, I, I think him or Josh Bell or, you know, even Will Myers on a team-friendly contract are all potential. I, I love Myers out. myself, but
0: yeah, let's talk yeah. about Josh Bell. That seems to be the obvious one, Dominic, that the, the, yeah. the, the top yeah. tier first baseman that's available. We got a little taste of him here in San Diego.
1: It wasn't very appealing. No, uh, he wasn't good. I mean, point blank. He well, wasn't a good hitter I, for the San Diego Padres, but I, I have no reason to believe that he's, going to be that player or worse i think that his track record speaks for itself and who knows what his relationship was like with michael berdar and i remember the espn crew when the potters were playing the mets were talking about how and then uh i believe it was also in a dennis lynn article or we talking about how josh bell is starting to hit the ball up the middle a little bit more and like he was starting to get under it. And he had a good postseason. He hit that home run yeah, to get the Padres really started. He set the tone for the Padres postseason. I think you can say that without a doubt. Hit that uh clutch home run to really get the rally started against the Phillies and the Padres NLCS win, had that double it, that if if you're he, if you're Bell, did the did your postseason, the fact that you sat on the bench a
0: couple games, did that kind of sour you on the Padres and their their Admiration towards you. Do, you? do you does that make you kind of hesitant to come here and, and, and want to play for a team that you weren't even penciled out there? You weren't even put out there as a starting first baseman in each of the postseason games. Drury played, Myers played.
2: Is that weigh in on you if you're Josh Bell? I feel like it's it's a similar situation to Nick Martinez, right? You know, like. He has been very vocal about how he wants to be a starter. He thinks he's a starter. He wants to be that guy in the rotation. And, you know, he made like what, 10, 12 stars this year, I want to say. And he was somewhat effective, but he, you know, as we were talking about earlier, he was really effective out of the bullpen, but he, you know, kind of, you know, he, he did it with a smile, but. He yeah. wants to start and the Padres rewarded them. They said, Here, you know, we have an opening in our rotation. You can have it. I think it's kind of similar with Josh Bell. You know, I, I think it is, I think it's similar. Like you had Brandon Drury, you had Will Myers, you know, that you kind of had that trio rotating in and out of first base and DH. And like
1: you mm-hmm. could
2: definitely entice him to come back and be like, hey, like you know, this spot is yours for the taking if you want it. And, you know, you throw in, I, I think he will be more expensive than Drury. I think he's going to yeah. want a little bit longer of a deal and a little bit more. A- well, what do you think? Uh, what do you think it's going to take
0: to for about 14, 15, 16 million for three, four, five years, something like that. Yeah, I, mean, I, was, we'll,
2: I was thinking a good deal for the Padres would be like three years and 40 million. I'm seeing a lot of projections that are like somewhat around there, maybe a little yeah, more expensive.
1: Yeah. I would yeah. I would be comfortable giving him some more money than that too.
2: Yeah, like if you want to go like three for like God. 45 or something to have him be the first baseman. I mean, he's got an 810 uh, career OPS plus, you know, or 810 yeah. career OPS, yeah. 120 OPS plus. Like, he's a solid. So, so roughly a 40 million. God, when it, uh, I, I'm sorry. I just keep thinking about three years and $39
0: million that the Padres are paying for Osborne for the next three years. Yeah. I, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't get that out of my mind because that's essentially what it's going to cost to give or take to bring back Bell. And, uh
1: it's frustrating. We warned you. There,
0: we warned you. I
1: warned you not to yes, sign you him. Did. You signed <laughs> him. it. It's so I funny looking you. back and like you. I'm facetiming my buddies, like we got Eric Hosmer, and now it's like we traded Eric Hosmer. So uh, that that is, of course, uh, hindsight uh, was. was it's it, it It's part of the game. It's it's why we yeah. love the game. It's why
0: we love life. It's full of these ups and downs. But to me, it's like that was obvious. It was. Oh, well, let's, let's stop talking about that. We're going sure,
1: but there is a first we're not gonna, baseman. We're going the
0: next three years. I'm still going to be talking about this, so I'm just, yeah. just to prepare you
1: guys. Um, James, uh, yeah. There's a first baseman that's available that I think the Padres should really stay away from. It's Yuli Guriel. Uh, his uh, yeah. he was filled in by uh by Jose Abreu. He's, he's uh, not much on the old older side. All. No, yeah, I mean he's had he's had 13. his good years. He's old, he came and old. he was also a part of that 2017 Houston Astros team, and more importantly, had that uh, that Asian eye gesture yeah. with new Darvish. Yeah. And and you, I just yeah, don't they, think that'd be a good fit with the Padres. No,
0: no, that's not gonna. That's not gonna work. Uh, obviously, he's probably gonna be looking for a new job though with a Brayu Manning first base for them. But yeah, uh, we'll we'll have to wait and see. Um, guys, let's let's move on to a little bit of a segment that I kind of prepared for you guys. Something that kind of um. Something fun, something different. Um, right. what I did is I looked at um major league baseball players, career earnings, uh in in uh specifically the San Diego Padres. So I'm gonna rattle off a couple names to you. Uh you tell me which of these two players earned the most money in their career. Okay. Fred McGriff and Oliver Perez. Ooh. I'll say I'll say Oliver Perez in their career. I'll say Oliver Perez. Oliver Perez played twenty years. Uh, Fred McGriff yeah. played seventeen years.
1: I, I would. Well, I mean, uh, it's tough because like the with new TV deals, uh, Oliver Perez was able to like see more money. Like in retrospect. Uh I would say Oliver Perez just because he keeps getting these like major league deals for like one year and he probably gets paid more yeah, than right. An dollars. extra million <laughs> here, course. an extra million there. Uh the winner is
0: Fred McGriff, who made sixty-five point ah. eight six million dollars his career. Oliver Perez just under that at sixty-four point eight three million.
1: Wow. I, could I would've
0: a- I would have thought Oliver Perez myself with with the fact that he just earned a contract the last couple of years, but there you go. Um let's yeah. move on to a couple more, uh just kind of throw them out there. How about Manny Machado and you Darvish?
1: I would say you Darvish because he got that big contract coming out of Japan. Yeah, uh, he, he, Manny Machado makes more now, but you Yeah Darvish. He he got, This is up to date,
0: up one. to their, up to their, up to now, not necessarily what their future earnings are going to be, but what they've earned to
2: date. Yeah. Cause he, he got a big one when he came over. And then I think the Cubs gave him a big one too.
1: Yeah. He's going to pay $20 million a year.
2: Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd say Darvish.
0: It's actually Manny Machado. <laughs>
1: We're over <laughs> two. Oh,
0: my God. He made $60,000 more over the course of their 10-year career. Manny Machado's made $142 million and $60,000. Uh, uh, you Darvish has made $142 million even. There
1: you go. I'm going to get you That's a out. nice
0: real estate on Coronado. Yeah. I think okay, they last one before, here. Right? Last one for you guys before we wrap this up. This is something I might uh, do in the next couple of podcasts, uh, just kind of throw things out there. Uh, but let's talk about Dave Winfield and pro Profar.
1: Mm. Uh, I'm going to go with Dave Winfield on this one because, I mean, Profar, yeah. Profar was an ARB guy, and then he got paid $14 million over the last two years. Yeah. I'm going to bank on the fact that Dave Winfield, when he signed with the Yankees, Made more money than Jerks and ProFar.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I agree. I don't
2: think ProFar has gotten paid that much. All right. You guys got a single. I'll,
0: I'll one for three on All the right. day. Uh Dave Winfield in his 22 year career has made 27.46 million. Jerks and mm-hmm. Profar in his nine year career has made 26.52 million. Yeah. So forty thousand dollars more.
2: That's crazy. <laughs>
0: It's interesting. I don't know. I'd say, uh, salaries have always fascinated me. The fact that Randy Jones has made $750,000 his whole career and, and the league minimum is over that now. That's it, always fascinated me. Um, I don't know. Uh, we, can go, we can go back to some relevant uh, Padre news if you guys like. Anything uh, in particular you guys are thinking off the top of your head? Um, what's the next move for this team?
2: yeah, I mean, just a couple of small things. I saw they they signed Julio Tehran to a minor league deal uh, that's worth up to six million if he's in the majors. I think it's interesting. Yeah. um, I don't. He wasn't in the majors last year. I think he threw mm-hmm. like one game for the Tigers in 2021, if I remember correctly. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's more than anything more than a depth move. Like he could be that guy that kind of just hangs out, out in El Paso. And if you need a spot starter, he can come up for. Yeah, uh, minor league depth kind but, of thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's, he he sits in like the high 80s. Like his prime is past him. He's got a lot of innings on his career. Like hasn't been effective in a couple of years. I, I think it's a it's yeah. a good depth signing. but you know, if he's in your major league rotation, if he's your fifth guy in April, then I think that's probably a, an issue. Yeah.
1: Wow. I didn't realize how much of a workhorse he was. I mean, he had no less than 170 innings in each season from 2013 to 2019. Yeah. I mean, he's got a good slider. So, I mean, there's probably something that uh, Nia blesson liked and was like, hey, you know, or someone in the front office was like, hey, mm-hmm. we're taking a shot. Like the worst this guy could do is he's on a minor league deal all year maybe he comes up and makes a starter too uh something you you can't fault the potters for making this move
0: no it's it's about filling in depth and and providing depth for this team uh deep into the season um at this point i would think that they're going to address the the dh first base corner outfield roles I, i would think they would make a a small signing somewhere, somebody like a Dominic Smith for a, a year and 4 million or yeah, something like that. I, I, I don't know. I I just have a feeling they're going to have to address that sooner than later. They don't want to end up just picking up who's over, whoever's left over. They want to actually get someone that they want. And I think he, he makes, he makes sense in some regards, uh, mostly because because uh, AJ pros liked him and, and he has a tendency to go back to players that he likes.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's, I think it's definitely something to consider. Um, I just don't want the, you know, to feel that 2021 trade deadline where all the moves start happening and probably trying to do something and he just keeps coming up empty. And then, you know, he winds up with Daniel Hudson or something like that. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's kind of learned his lesson, but you know, like we've been seeing like with, with this, Abreu deal, you know, with Clevenger getting his money, like, The market's expensive right now, you know, like Mm -hmm, 20 mm -hmm. million a year for an aging first baseman for three years. I mean, that's a pretty big commitment. Like, I don't uh, think about what, you know, some guys like Kodai Senga, another guy the Padres are targeting, which we can get. Yeah, we haven't even talked about him. Let's let's talk about him for sure. Yeah. I mean, I I think that he's intriguing to the Padres because he doesn't come with that qualifying offer attached. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, he's unrestricted. He can sign with anybody. Um, I don't believe he had a posting fee. Um, And so I think it's straight up like straight up free agent type of deal. Yeah. And and so I think he's worth it at the right price. You know, he's got a triple digit fastball. I think he throws like a a fork ball. That's like his best. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think he's a good investment at, you know, four or five years worth 15 million to 17 million annually. I Mm -hmm. worry that the Padres will get outbid for his services by someone who's a little more desperate. You know, I could see the Mets throwing him a hundred million over five, four or five years or something like that. I don't know. I'm curious to hear what you guys think too. Uh, To me, I think it's going to be some wild card team like the diamondbacks or
0: somebody that's going to come out of the, out of the, left field and just give him a hundred million dollar contract. And that's what scares me. Um I don't know if he wants to necessarily pitching with Darvish, if that would benefit him or kind of put him in Darvish's shadow. I, I, You have to kind of look into his mentality and what he thinks and what he wants. I know that they have admiration for each other and he was his idol growing up or this and that, but it's different when you're kind of competing every day alongside him I, again, I don't. I don't know. I know the Padres are interested. I know AJ Preller definitely does his due diligence when it comes to international signings and international prospects and international players. Um, Dominic, give me, give me your feeling on Sangai. I do like him. I, I just have a, a feeling that they just can't afford to, to just play with the big guys on that.
1: Right, and uh, there's also been a lot of concerns about his command. Uh, you know, you hear the 100 mile an hour fastball, this devastating splitter. Coming over from mm-hmm. Japan, you immediately think Shohei Otani, and you're like, Oh, I want this guy. This dude's gonna be a stuck. Can he hit? Can he, hit? he cannot. No. <laughs> Shohei Otani is one on one. But in terms of pitcher, and Shohei Otani is one of the best pitchers in all baseball. Uh, I mean, there, there's a lot to like there. There's also a lot to be concerned with. Uh, I don't I think there's better options. Obviously, the the strings that are attached to some of these other pitchers that aren't attached to Senga make him possibly more attractive than some of the other pitchers. But I mean, you have Rodon out there who is a good option, who I'm writing an article on right now. So make sure to check out that at when it's posted. But Rodon's probably a little think more expensive.
0: To, what do you think it's going to take to sign Rodon?
1: Well, I mean, considering the fact that Mike Clevenger's got $12 million for a year, it's, yeah. it's gonna, I think you're looking at $25 million potentially a year. But or five, uh, six, years. I I don't think that much, because I, I don't think teams are going to want to commit that to Rodon. You're talking about a guy who has a seriously bad track record of being injured, but his last two years, he's been able to pitch the full season. That's why he opted out. Uh, so, I, I think that well, that's why he didn't take the qualifying offer. But I I think that Rodon is another guy that you know you you've seen it. He he's got that stuff too. Yeah, a couple things yeah, about saying it too before we move on. I know
2: he's been, he was teammates with uh, Nick Martinez and Robert Suarez yes, in Japan. Yes, yes. As you guys have said, he's really close with you, Darvish. He looks up to you, Darvish. Yeah. I've also seen that he wants to play for a contender. Um, mm-hmm. He wants to play for a big market team too, which I don't know if you can consider the Padres a big market team, but, you know, they got a pretty big payroll. So if they throw yeah. money <laughs> at him, I'm sure he could look past that. Um, and then he's also an analytics guy. You know, I, I saw that he... Okay. I want to say he had a driveline rep go out to Japan and work with them a little bit. He's very into analytics, which, you know, that's a department that the Padres are lacking in. Um, I don't know how much they could offer on that front yeah. in terms of analytics. You know, they they have to get flagged. They're more of an old school approach team and, you know, things like Definitely. this They'll come back to bite them.
0: A- analytics and player development have always been an issue with this team. Hopefully, they they change. Um, Sammy, let's let's talk about player development. As uh, the Padres recently brought in uh, Eric Del Prado, of uh, Lewis and Clark College, uh, someone that you're quite familiar with. So, give us a little bit about Eric and and how he can potentially. Help a situation that's been an issue for this team. You know, Josh Bell comes over and regresses. Juan Soto comes over and regresses. It, it, it's it's become a common theme. It's not just a coincidence. Why why are players getting worse when they're playing for the Padres?
2: Yeah, yeah. Just a, a quick word about Eric. He, for those of you that don't know, he was uh, my hitting coach at Lewis and Clark College. He graduated from Willamette University, played baseball, um, and, and he was with us for three or four years. He really helped me develop as a hitter and as a as a person. Um, he's mm-hmm. really into that new school, advanced analytics type of uh, okay. thought. Okay. You know, he, he has worked with driveline. He's familiar with their products. Um, he's awesome. not going to be working directly with the San Diego Padres. He's going to be working with one of their affiliates. Um, but, you know, he's, he's one of those guys that you bring in and like, I'm, I'm hoping that they continue to continue on this trend just because. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a slow process.
0: It's not, you bring in two people and it changes. It's, it's someone like him down in the, in the minor leagues that works their way up and, and creates this philosophy that, transitions into this player development juggernaut that we're hoping for. Right. I mean, that's yeah. what we
2: want. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's what we want and, and it's not like you said, it's not an overnight thing. You can't just, True. you know, clean house in one day, um, especially for a team that has demonstrated success here in, in the short term and, you know, recent history, like they went to the NLCS this year, something had to be working, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, <laughs> right. at the same time, like it's just, it's weird. You know, Soto has a down year bell had a really poor second half Drury, you know, he, he could have had a mirage in that first half in Cincinnati hitting in that hitters ballpark, but you know, he had mm-hmm. a down year too. And, you know, you see pitchers come over and for the most part, they have success when they come to San Diego, but I, yeah, I, I it, it's hard to explain. I, I'm curious if you guys have any thoughts on it. I don't, I'm really perplexed by it. It's something that I've wondered about for years now. You, you know, you look at Adam Frazier yeah. last year. I mean, you look oh. at a lot of these guys that come over and they just, you know, they don't do anything. They regress. There's yeah. just no other way to, you can't sugarcoat it. I
0: mean,
1: that that's what it is. I, I, don't, I don't know. Hopefully well, they I figure mean, it hitting, out. Hitting-wise, Peco Park is awful for hitters. Sure. I mean, it's gotten better over the years with more buildings going up around it. But, but uh, and then there's also a just a lack of consistency with coaching. I mean, the Potters are going to be on what their seventh hitting coach in the last eight years. That was because yep, yeah. Damian Easley did back-to-back years after that sixty-game shortened season where the Padres just raked on the juice balls, and then the following year didn't rake on juice balls. So, uh, yeah. I'm, I think that has something to do with it. Uh, I, I, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I'm not in there. It's 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 an enigma. It's something that needs to be figured out for this team moving
0: forward, though. It's something that. Is an issue, and, and there's no other way to say it. Um, it. Talk about regression. Let's let's talk about Trent Grisham, someone who had a wonderful first year for the Padres. Looked like a future stud star, uh, power, speed, playing the field. Uh, he had a horrible year. I mean, yes, he had his moments in the playoffs, uh, not in the Philly series, but it, in the playoffs prior to that, he had his moments and. The defense is always there, which is something that's it's wonderful, something that's definitely needed up the middle. A uh, quality defender like that is is definitely worth value. But you can't have a hitter hitting or in on and around the two hundred mark. You can't have a guy s- squaring the button with two strikes on him. And I'm not just talking about the the the, the last game of the season. I'm that's something that he did. A few times that,
2: that's just, that's mentally that something's going on. Like what, what's going on? Uh, I I mean, you see it, right? Like like it's still there in, in flashes. Like he's still that player. Like, you know, he hit the home run off of Scherzer. He hit the home run off of the and he's still 25, 26. I mean, he's young. yeah he's he's, I think he's 26. I want to say he might've just turned 26, but like, Mm -hmm. yeah, the the two strike bunting is kind of what stands out to me. That that's clearly something that's beyond physical. That's more so. Yeah. That's, it, I, I don't think I can hit with two strikes. So I'm going to try to bunt against the You No, it's just like, it doesn't make sense. But, you know, like you said, like he's a two-time gold glove award winner. Like he is a great center fielder. Like he is an undeniably solid center fielder. If he could hit 230, 240, hit like 20 to 25 home runs and steal a few. And that's a productive days. player. Yeah. yeah. Out of the eight or nine hole. Like, yeah, you're not asking him to lead off. You're asking him to be your nine hitter. And if you can just get yeah. a little bit more production, but I mean 180, that that's not gonna cut it.
1: No, no, no. And I think that people forgot the kind of trajectory that he was on in 2021, got hurt and was a mess in 2021 in the latter half of the season. And then he was on a good trajectory in the second half of the 2022 season. Like he was a well above average hitter uh, from June until through August. And he had like one of the worst months of all time. And that's what kind of made his post-season turnaround. So remarkable. one, I, I agree with what Sammy said, that it, it's all still there. Elite fielder yeah. hitter with some pop, very patient. He he's got some holes in his swing. No doubt. Uh, it's, he, it seems like he's not hunting for the fastballs, which is my like. Yes, pet that, peeve. we didn't mention that. We didn't mention this called
0: strike right down the middle. Whether it's a slider, whether it's a fat yeah. I mean, that, he just looked lost at the plate. I mean, he's swinging at stuff that's bouncing in the dirt and then taking a fastball right down the middle, and it's like, wait, what? What? This is stuff that right. kids like. This is, I, I don't know. It just it's mental. It's mental. But then then you look at the coaching staff, and it's their. It's their job to get him out of that funk. It's their job to relax him, motivate him, yell at him, pat him on the ass, whatever needs to be done in order for him to clear his mind and and perform the game the way he is naturally able to do so. And that's always been an issue with this team and needs to be fixed. And it really does. It needs to be fixed. It needs to be addressed. And they're getting better. But obviously the offense was a, was an issue last season.
2: Yeah. I mean, I know we're coming up on time. I don't want to go too long on this, but this is definitely something that intrigues me and something that I think should be looked at throughout the off season. And I'm curious yep. to hear your guys' thoughts about this as well. I mean, are you guys comfortable with giving Trent Christian another 140 games in center field this year? I mean, I know Jose Azokar took over a little bit. Tatis is coming back. Would you rather trade him and try and get some young, somewhat controllable okay. starting pitching. I mean, I don't think his value is that high, but there's so no. many th- different things you can do with him. I'm curious what you guys want
1: to do with him. Dominic, you want to go first? He should be the pottery center fielder next year. I think that he needs to have, like, he shouldn't really be starting against lefties. I think you have a Zocar for that. And I think that mm-hmm. you can... Uh, better his production against righties. If he's not starting as much against lefties more off days, you know, more, more fresh on the legs. I I think that people really underestimate the, the where that is the MLB season. And if you can get him some more days off, start as Ocar as that fourth outfielder, starting him against lefties every once in a while against righties to fill in for whoever, I I think he should be the center fielder. He's that good defensively and he has upside offensively. Uh, And I said it with Josh Bell earlier. Who knows what his relationship was like with Michael Berdar? Maybe he hated the dude, but he loved Flaherty. And that's presumably who the Potters hitting coach is. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe that works. So maybe, he he, maybe he loved Berdar and hated Flaherty. Yeah. It, it could yeah. go the other way. So uh, we we don't fully well, know that situation. I would, I would be comfortable with him at center, though.
0: I think the most important thing in leaving him at center field is the fact that he doesn't make a lot of money. And this team needs to save money. Somehow you're getting excellent defensive production from him. You're getting offensive production here and there from him. He needs to step up. And sometimes as a major league franchise, you need to put a player in, in that position and say, Hey, you're 25, 26 years old. Put your big boy pants on. It's time to play ball. It's time to be effective and and, and put up numbers. And it's a make or break season for him. If, if he, the Padres going into July and August and he's hitting 190 and, and under 300 on base percentage and, and just flailing out there, they're going to have to make a move. And at that time, you probably will make a move, but I think he's going to be given every opportunity to start. Uh, I, his trade interest is probably minimal at this point. I don't think anyone would give anything for him. Um, I, it's just my feeling, um, guys. Uh, any other topics we want to hit up before we go? We didn't talk about the catching situation. Austin Nola is interesting as he's kind of entrenched in that situation right now. Luis Camposano's just sitting out there. I've seen people talk about give Camposano the DH spot. I, I don't know. Wait, quickly. Any
2: any thoughts on 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 that? I think that's another interesting thing to to monitor the off season too. Personally, I think. I mean, I'd be totally fine with rolling into next season with Austin Nola and Luis Campizano. I think that, you know, Nola, obviously his best years are behind him. He has fresher legs though. You know, he transitioned to becoming a catcher in the minor leagues. Um, I think that, you know, it could be something where he starts off the season as the starting catcher and then Camposano kind of comes into his own. I mean, we forget okay. that like Camposano has spent parts of three seasons on the Padres. Now he's I still think he might have rookie eligibility too. Um, <laughs> right. you, you know, he just he he hasn't really gotten much run. You know, he no. he, he hasn't really gotten like 50. the pitchers just
0: don't like throwing to him. And that, I mean, that's yeah. let's not beat around the bush. They've there's been multiple reports from multiple pitchers they don't want to throw to him. And that as a catcher, that's like that's pretty bad. Austin edges is still and, in the league because everybody loves to throw to him. The pitchers made it
1: clear that they love throwing to Nola, too. Yeah. Uh, It's going to be a fascinating situation because Nola's also not going to go out there and catch 100 plus games. So he shouldn't. He shouldn't. (laughs) And it also seems that the coaching staff and the front office likes Campusano a lot more uh, now as a defensive catcher than they did, certainly at the beginning of the season. And I think I agree with Sammy that I'd be comfortable rolling with Nola. In Kim Busano, I love Sean Murphy from the A's, but, but is the I also price love worth it? some of the. I love some of the prospects that the Padres have, yes. and I think that they need to, re-firm that farm system at least for, the off season and going into the early half of the 2023 season, and then when the yep. trade deadline comes, you can be a little bit more aggressive and say, "Hey, Sean Murphy now has, uh we're even closer to his free agency. His value's gone down. Maybe we can trade for." I don't know. Then.
0: Murphy gives me serious Derek Norris vibes. And I don't know if
1: that's oh, just no, a no, no, no. I, I don't know. Sean Murphy's I really, a Glover, a lot of power, consistent. Yeah, I, I, I see
0: it. But at the same time, catchers, I warned it. I warned everyone when we, when we traded for Austin Nola it, because catchers can turn into pumpkins in, 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 in and just a, quickly, very quickly. All of a sudden, they're an all-star catcher, and then, then they're turned into nothing. So it's, it's,
2: you don't want to overpay for them. You really yeah. don't. And, and I mean, like for, for me too, like, I'd rather see them hold on to some prospects for the time being. I mean, look, like if you want to go out and get someone for the right price, sure. But I mean, James, you mentioned it earlier with Grisham, like, yeah, he wasn't productive last year, but he's not making a lot of money. You know, guys like yeah. they, they have to like have Cronenworth is the prime example of that. They making under a million.
0: You got to have those guys on your roster. If you're going to just throw out 30 million, to a couple guys on
2: your team, you have to do yeah, that. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, you can't just, you can't give $20 million a year to, every no, not to everybody on the <laughs> roster, you know? And like, it, it's not my money. If Peter Seiler wants to keep spending money and roll out a $350 million payroll next year, then by all means, I'll sign up for that. But I mean, well, you, just, but you just can't do it because you don't know when your holes are going to come up in six months or, or yeah.
0: right before playoffs. And that's when you want to have the extra money so that you can go out and, and bring in a reliever
2: or a backup catcher or whatever the hell you need. Yeah, it's just fiscally smarter. that And, way. and I think Camposano has the upside to turn into one of those guys still, you know, like I think he could turn into a guy like a Cronenworth or Grisham who produces more than what he's getting paid. You know, he's going to be getting paid yeah. the league minimum. You know, he's not ARB eligible no. for a couple of years. Like if you can get for some sure. productive years out of him, out of the catcher's position and not have but, to pay a to do million dollars yeah. a year. Yeah. Like
0: if you, you got to give the it. opportunity for him to do it too. I mean, you just yeah. have to, so we'll yeah. see. This could yeah. be the Maybe year where he's given... Yeah. Um, all right, guys. Well, great show. This was a, a different format. I, I think we're uh, we're on par today, hitting on most of the topics. Um, both of you guys are sitting here one for three on the day uh, with my game, though. Do you do you want to press that into to one more? I mean, one more, one more. You got one more for us. Yeah, let's, I got uh, one more for you if, if you want it. I mean, I, I don't know. Dominic 100. Dominic looks like he wants a pinch hitter. Sammy's Sammy's ready to hit. <laughs>
2: I don't know. I'd I, I say we just go for it. I'd say we go for it. Dominic, you game or what? Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right.
0: Last one I got for you. Bip Roberts
1: and Blake Snell. Hmm. Well, I mean, Snell signed a relatively team-friendly contract back when he was in Tampa Bay. And Bip Roberts. huh?
2: Yeah, I mean, Bit Roberts played I mean, twelve years in the major leagues. Has Snell has played that. seven years. Snell got that, yeah. Snell, I think the deal he got was like five years, fifty million, somewhere around there. Like it wasn't like yeah. a ton of money. I, I want to say he's getting like fifteen this year. He's getting a little bit more than that, I think.
0: Or, Remember, this is no, before this good. year. This was this was up to last up to up through two thousand twenty-two.
2: Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna go with Snell. I was thinking the same
0: thing. I, I'll lean Snell. I have Bip Roberts at 17.15 million. Snell at 16.6 million. <laughs> I think Snell yeah. only made like 7 million this past year, something like that.
2: Really? Wow. I do <laughs> That's crazy. Well, he awesome. track due for, he's due for a big raise this year.
0: Yeah. He's definitely going to get paid. Uh, and that's probably another reason to think about the fact that the Padres are going to have in order to resign him. He's going to want to get paid. He's not going to take a team friendly
2: deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's something we can jump into, you know, on our next podcast, but you know, what's the state of the Padres rotation after next year, you know, they're going to have Musgrove, they'll have Martinez, but Darvish's contract is up. Snell's contract is yeah. up. There's not a lot of help in the upper minors right now. Like, yeah. You know, are you going to keep spending or you going to trade for some guys? A lot of things to consider. Yeah. Sandy Alcantara will be here by next year for sure. I don't know.
0: <laughs> all right. Dominic, take us out of here. Uh, thank you guys uh, for the podcast, episode number 158. Uh, Dominic, go ahead and take us out of here, man.
1: Yeah. Thank you all for listening or watching this episode of the Padres East Village Times podcast. On behalf of James Clark and Sammy Benbow, we thank you all. For tuning in, make sure to keep checking out our content at EastFoolishTimes.com. SDSU just wrapped up their football season, their basketball season's in full swing. Uh, Paul Garrison, Andre Hegverdian, and the team that covers SDSU, they do a phenomenal job. And of course, we're covering the Padres. Uh, we had Wave coverage. We had Loyal coverage in their playoff runs this year as well. We cover all San Diego professional and collegiate sports. So make sure to check that out, eastvillagetimes.com. I would plug our Twitter, but Twitter's probably going to die soon, so not worth (laughs) my breath. Thank you all for tuning in, and we hope that you have a good rest of your
2: day.